0: Hello and welcome to the pilot episode of the Auto Archives podcast. I'm Jack and on this episode I discuss with friend Max Todd the James Bond franchise and more specifically our top five favourite Bond themes. Hope you enjoy. Cool, right. Um, hello Max, welcome to the first episode of our Water Archives Podcast. Welcome. Thanks for doing. Thank it. Thanks for taking the time to do this. How are Thank we? You.
1: Good, mate. Not too bad. I've uh, survived the great heat wave of 2020, and um, <laughs> yeah, made it on the other side. It's you know being pale and red headed, and you know a little bit obese in 35, 36 degrees heat is uh, yeah, not the, not the most fun.
0: But um, now yeah. we're in the rain wave. We've just oh, rain.
1: We're just in the uh, the second coming of the floods. So yeah, it's not
0: it's getting my arc together. Um, <laughs> so um, a oh, It was awful. It was absolute hell. Um, it was raining, and um, my daughter was just petrified of seeing Pepper.
1: Oh, my God,
0: that's brilliant. Um, so you can imagine we we're pushing her around in the pram and her <laughs> ha- hands were over her ears screaming, no, I don't like it, over and over again. Or she went around, around her
1: biggest nightmare.
0: Yeah, it was literally traumatised. And we thought, but you like this. And Mate. then the worst part of it was when we actually went and sat down for lunch, she was like, oh, can we watch Peppa Pig on the on your <laughs> phone? And I was like, are you taking this? <laughs>
1: sister when she was a kid was like obsessed with Mr. Blobby oh yeah Uh, and we went to some air show and he was a special guest and obviously it wasn't like actually him some guy in a costume that looked like him but Mm -hmm. my dad carried her over to him to go meet him and we've got we've got a photo somewhere I'll have to dig it out honestly the the fear in her eyes like the like she's pulling away from my dad as he's like trying to like you know get near to Mr. Blobby the fear in her eyes is just like un- unimaginable. It's just like, you know, the worst possible thing you could ever be put through. It was just facing yeah. that. But that.
0: I think it's one of those things when you f- finally see something you've seen on telly for so long now in front of you, I think that's what's freaked her out. She's like, oh, this is, this is real, slightly. And she they just have, couldn't comprehend it.
1: They have the characters in like giant TV suits, so it just looks like a massive... <laughs> just 2D. Yeah just, a, yeah, just a massive walking TV costume. <laughs>
0: uh, uh, so what I was going to ask first is, TV and movie-wise, recently, what have you been watching?
1: So I have, as probably you have and a lot of people have, I got a little bit... I did a bit a bit over the top with the box sets and the movies and stuff during lockdown. And yeah. it got to the uh, it wasn't that special watching anything anymore because it just kind of felt like it was more just it's an obligation to watch something rather than like, oh, do you know what? I've got some free time. I'm going to enjoy watching this. Where it was like, mm. I haven't given a choice but to stay in, so I'm going to have to watch this. So uh, so I stopped watching like big box set, box set and I just went back to like an easy watch. So I, I yesterday finished watching the entire Nine seasons, obviously not in one day, over the last few weeks. But I finished yesterday watching Seinfeld.
0: Oh wow! Okay, I've never like fully sat down and watched it. Obviously, I've watched Curb. Yeah, uh, I've never really sat down and watched Seinfeld. How was it?
1: It was brilliant. To be fair, like it was. There's a lot of um, it's. It's funny. It's like Curb if Curb was a sitcom. Whereas you know, like Curb has. You know, Kirby Enthusiasm has a lot of those kind of cringy, awkward social situations that, you know, it's brilliant because it's done in, it's not done in a sitcom, you know, because Seinfeld has a laughter track, it has, you know, like a live audience kind of thing, yeah. it's got, you know, sets and whatnot, whereas Kirby Enthusiasm also, you know, it's set pieces and it's in real life environments and it's almost, you know, real life. But it's, it's funny because it's, you know, I didn't realize how old it was. So it started in like 89, 90. Yeah. And it's just funny how, like, you know, they, it's, it's its around the same time as Friends. You know, Friends was early 90s. Yeah, I think it was, like,
0: 91, perhaps.
1: Yeah. So it's kind of the same premise in a way, which is, like, Friends, living in New York, single friends, dating, girl, mm. you know, all this kind of thing. But it's just weird how it's so much more, um, I don't know, it's a bit more grown up. It's a bit more, you know, adult. It's almost like, it's. it's, it's I know sometimes Friends had a bit of a, Adult twang to it, but this was like, you know, they talk about like there's one episode where they have a contest, like who can go the longest without masturbating and stuff like that. And it's just,
0: <laughs> yeah, you wouldn't get that really, in it,
1: Yeah, and it's it's hilarious. Like it's, um, you know, each character's got their own, you know, traits and stuff like that. And it's just, um, yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. it was it, it was something a bit different? It was an easy watch, you know, 20 minutes an episode. So you don't have to really like focus yeah. your, your stuff, but it's it's you know, it's a bit like Kermit as well in the sense that there's there's jokes that come back later on. And there's things that kind of, um, you know, that they, they, they will re-mention and, like, play that on. Recurring
0: and jokes and stuff.
1: Yeah, that's it, reoccurring jokes. It's quite, um, yeah, it was good. So, yeah, that was, um, that was uh, you know, from a TV-wise, what I've been watching. Uh, movie-wise, I think you did this as well. Uh, I, I went to see Inception at the cinema.
0: I did. I did see it, and I saw it in 4DX.
1: <laughs> oh, that
0: line. <light. laughs> yeah, so uh it was kind of a novelty and, and and you know right at the start so leo is on the beach and there's the water i was like yes. you know what? i can't be asked to be sprayed with water so i turned the water thing straight off <laughs> i was like and i just before that happened because i was like oh, i'm not gonna i don't want to get sprayed i was wearing my glasses as well i was just constantly wiping them throughout the film but um yeah 40x x it's not in hindsight, it's not the film to see. It. I mean, I've seen Inception to death. Anyway, it didn't really, it doesn't really add, add anything. It's a novelty, isn't it? It very much yeah, doesn't really I, add anything to. It It I, does, but it it takes you out of the film itself, and that is the film you need to be I would taken love out it if,
1: of. I would love it if the Inception 4DX, like they really went to the extreme. Like every time he does the spinning top, your chair spins as well. Like it just, it
0: I, the whole room that. just turns zero gravity in the corridor. <laughs>
1: Every time they push the button to sedate people, the whole cinema just falls asleep.
0: They would do the kick on all of your chairs as well and you just fall back onto someone's lap.
1: Everyone's just flying around their chairs. That's brilliant. <laughs> well, funny, funny you should say that because I went to... I told you, no, I went to see the original Jurassic, Jurassic Park in 4DX. Yeah. And honestly, that is the, probably the best... I've only been to a few. I'm not. I'm not a yeah. huge fan of the 4DX because I'm very skeptical of the films that they put on them and stuff like that. Whether or not they really get the experience, but honestly, Jurassic Park was one of them. You know, I absolutely love Jurassic Park. The original is. Yeah. You know, I've never seen it in the cinema as it is. So it was a it was a treat to go and see it on the big screen. Mm. But 4DX they did it so so well. Like you know, one of the thing it was is one of those things where I've seen the film so many times that if the forty X movement or the way it shifted wasn't right, it, kind of, it would kind of spoil the, um, yeah. the experience. But it was the little things, like the bit at the start where they're in the helicopter and he's like, oh, it's going to be a bumpy landing. And they're like, you know, oh, yeah. slowly dropping. The chair was doing that. It was going up and then dropping down, going up and dropping down. It was just, you know, it's little things like that where it was like, they've got the movement right. And it was, you know, the bit when the T-Rex is attacking. Uh, when the kids look up and they see like the goat leg and then the T-Rex come up, chair leant back. So you were like, as if you were like the kids looking at and it just, you know, then the the bit when it's flipping the car around, honestly, it was was like a roller coaster. The chair was going absolutely mental and it was just...
0: See, that's that's the film you want to see in 4DX. Like it's a film that most people have seen more than once. It's always on telly and it's not that's not to put it down it's a great film and it's you know it would always be a great film 4dx to add on to that is kind of the extra bit of value for the film where it's like right i know the plot i know where it's going and you've also got this extra thing added to the experience while you're in the cinema and those are the sorts of films where it's best placed to have 4dx not something oh, like inception looking back where it's like i need to actually pay attention I'm actually getting thrown around the room at the same time.
1: You can kind of... It's it's like, I think me and you went to go see Skull Island. Yeah. Uh, And that was, again, that was a perfect film for that, where it was big monsters fighting each other. It was... Exactly. Faces, it was stuff like that. You didn't have to be pinned to the screen to understand, you know, every plot bit or, you know, or storyline, because it wasn't... There wasn't like, oh, you know, blink and you miss it, you know, information and all, but... But yeah it was um it was good but yeah like uh, going back to inception like again that is probably you know I remember seeing it at the cinema 10 years ago and again just the kind of how mad that it's been 10 years already that, that film I came know. out you know, shocking but it it holds up and I don't know about you did they did they show like a making like a little making of thing beforehand
0: yes for tenet or was it for yeah. inception
1: ah so they did so the uh, so the one I went to they showed Tenet and then Inception because they had like a little mini documentary about the 10th anniversary of Inception um, there, there was one of the things Chris <laughs> that you know kind of resonated and you, 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 you know it, it, it kind of made sense obviously he's so much about real life uh, effects you know it doesn't like CGI because you make a film in CGI with the CGI that's and the, you know the technology that's um,
0: available at the time uh,
1: yeah at the time but quickly you know especially these days that stuff just becomes so obsolete and it doesn't age well and you know when looking at some of the visual effects in the film there's not a single part where you think that's a green screen or that's a you know that that looks poor that looks bad like you know that, it's not like you so, know, when you uh, go back
0: so there so gen- i would generally agree with that but however there was one bit that looked awful and i don't know if you remembered it or if it stuck out to you that so quickly remind you of it it's the bit where, where they're in they meet Celia murphy and tom hardy is playing as the woman that distracts him oh yeah and she yeah. walks back into the lift and then um <laughs> he basically looks in the mirror and he says something like hi mate to one of his friends uh, and if you watch that bit it's really badly done it's I'm, like his face has been superimposed onto the woman's body and oh, other right. than that that yeah. i would agree like the the whole folding of paris scene is oh ridiculous still holds up really well even yep. the kind of the cheesy is kind of slightly cheesy when he's when they walk up to the wall um that's obviously like a folded Paris and then they put the their up. feet onto it and then they walk up it. If that makes sense. Yeah. Um, that still holds up really there well. A,
1: there was almost a part of me that was kind of looking for mistakes that that makes like to kind yeah. of go, like, I'm, I'm looking for things that are ad- dated, but it's not, but it, you know, it was, it was so good. And you just think, you know, when you watch some of the Star Wars prequels now and just how mm. bad the, you know, the, because the, obviously they were all green screen and stuff, and just how much they haven't held up held up in a film like this has. But yeah, like Inception, it's just it's another one of those films that like even though you know what's coming, and you even you know you know what um, what to expect, and you know that that the ending that that very last shot, you know, yeah. you know, I mean, and it still it still gives you that that suspense. It still gives you that like you know that that shock feeling at the end as well of you know is it still a dream? Is it not? You know, it it just still instills the same feeling every time you watch
0: it. It's the talking point, isn't it? That's the bit you generally speaking, people, people remember is "Is dreaming or not. And it's that whole thing of like, when you come out the cinema, you ask each other, like, well, what do you think? Is he dreaming or not? And that's the thing that just sparks the sort of the big conversations, I guess, on, on the film as a whole. Yeah. yeah, I I thought, you know, I was glad to see it again on the big screen. Um, I remember seeing it the first time round, and like you said, I can't, remember, I can't believe it's been ten years since that's come out. That's absolutely flown by.
1: And it's, um, you know, it's the because obviously we're going to talk about Nolan in another episode, but yeah. I you know, I rewatched the Prestige recently, and even you know, same thing with that. The very last shot, it has a big reveal, obviously, as to. Mm. You know the, the kind of the the darkness and the, the the extent that Hugh Jackman's character went to to pull off his you know his his trick and um, you know his his show, and it's in that very last shot. And again, that's such a big moment. In you know, it, it's only about a three second shot of what's what's going on, but it, it's a, like you said, it's a talking point that you're like, oh my god! Like, and it kind of it makes you think back to the whole rest of the film about. Yeah oh that was that guy that was a you know that was a guy and it was just you know it's such a um, yeah I don't, want, I don't I won't go too much yeah into it we'll save
0: it. save it for the for the full yeah. episode but I'd agree they're definitely ones that require a second viewing I think his oh, yeah. films definitely require a second viewing to sort of fully just fully kind of understand the whole film and then you can kind of make you Appre- opi- get your opinion on it
1: yeah go back and appreciate it now knowing a bit more information than you did when you first watched it. Exactly. But yeah.
0: So right. So today we're we're gonna we are talking about our top five favorite Bond films. Yes. Now I know you know that I'm a bit of a fanboy for Bond films and have been for forever. Um, what are you? What are your thoughts on Bond films? Are you a fan of the whole series? Have you been following them? Are there some that you aren't so keen on? What are your thoughts on them?
1: So, Bond was a big thing in my house. Like, I, I grew up with Bond. Like, my dad, you know, my mum and dad are massive James Bond fans. My, you know, my mum was like, uh, obsessed with Roger Moore back in the day, you know, little crush on him, whatever. <laughs> but, you know, anytime it was on TV as a kid, you know, we'd watch the James Bond films and stuff. So, you know, I, I think a lot of people, um, you know, kind of grew up with them and, you know, became interested in them. And, you know, it is. It is one of those things where it's. <laughs> you have it a lot with films. We've, you know, we've talked about it before. Like films you'd watch as a kid, you don't really pay attention to them. You just kind of, you know, you just absorb what's on the screen there and then. You're not really paying attention to like, you know, the stories or the the plot. You know, you just, just a yeah. it's a spy, a secret agent. He's after the bad guy. He's going to go to the bad guy's base and defeat the bad guy. That's all. You know, that's all you really. You know. Understand as a kid, or as a, you know, you're really interested in. So it's it's funny when you know going back and watching some of the Bonds now, and you know, there's things you pick up on, like like I said, like plot plot points and storyline plot, you know, and it kind of makes you understand a bit more, and you you appreciate it a lot more. But it, it you know, it's we talked about you know some of the Roger Moore films and that that era, and it's 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 funny how um each Bond, obviously, you know, this has been going on since the '60s. Mm-hmm. Every Bond film enca- encapsulates that, um, you know, what is, you know, the, the, the style of the time and what's, you yeah. know, what is the threat of the time. So, for example, you know, um, back in the 60s and the 70s ones, it's all about like communists and, you know, Russian Cold
0: war stuff, isn't it?
1: Exactly. Proper cold war stuff, which is obviously, you know, yeah. pure Bond. And it's the, you know, it's that, it was what the, you know, the thing was at the time that that is what the threat was at the time. And then you move towards like the 90s and the noughties kind of thing. And it's all like cyber terrorism and the yeah. media. And, you know, it, it's, it, it's, you know, it, how it adapts to what is, you know, a threat now. Because if you, you know, some it's a bit outdated in, you know, it's kind of the threat stuff like that, like, you know, the, you know, fighting the Japanese the fighting the Russians and fighting the Chinese and whatever it is, stuff like that. It's not you know those aren't don't get me wrong they're a threat in some manner but it's more like oh this guy can take over the entire news and he can make the news what he wants it to be so he he brainwashes. you know it's it's stuff like that that's so relevant in you know these days so you've got like um tomorrow never dies with elliot carver and he controls the media and he you know he does all this fake news and stuff like that and you just think that's mad how, like, that was what, 25 years ago, I think it was?
0: Yeah. I reckon, so. I reckon.
1: Yeah, so, like, late 90s, and how that stuff is so relevant today.
0: Yeah, uh, actually, that's, that's a really good point when you said about fake news and, and using that to his advantage to, to basically, you know, get power. Um, it's, it's quite the- funny that you've mentioned that as a, as a relevance today. But yeah, you're right. It's, it's very, the series. Generally speaking, does keep with the times. There are a few exceptions where it just falls off, like Die Another Day. I mean, oh, God. come on! I mean, that's just <laughs> possibly one of the worst. And that's, so, but I mean, to that saying that, I'm glad it, what, it happened because it then put Rocket up the Bond producers' ass to like revamp the franchise. And here we are now with four and the fifth. Daniel Craig film coming out later this year um, which I think is it's definitely needed because it just got very gimmicky and yeah. it just obviously sort of went back to basics in Casino Royale and it's kind of slowly built up from there.
1: I think it's one of those things where it's the, the recent Bond films so the Daniel Craig Bond films they remind me a lot of the Christopher Nolan Batman films so if you think like Batman films used to be um, you know uh, what's the word like the pageantry and the hyped up um, Adam West stuff. Yeah, you know, and not even like the Michael Keaton stuff George Clooney stuff and the Val Kilmer stuff. You know, these, these larger than life characters these kind of um you know the very gimmicky very goofy villains all that kind of stuff and it was you know it's it's a comic book at the end of the day so it has to be it has to be a comic book and it has to kind of encapsulate that feeling of a of a comic book but you know when you look at the nolan films they are almost like real life crime films they just happen to have batman in them you mean like you you could almost believe that they could actually be a real thing because it's you know, don't get me wrong, you've got the Joker and you've got Bane and you've got Razagor and you know those guys, but they're not like, um, well, they, they, don't, looks-
0: they don't come across as comp, but they are comic book characters, obviously, but they don't come across it. I know what you're saying, that they, they're very much put into a, a re- in, in kind of brackets a real life scenario, um, but like they are believable. Like Bane in the comics is obviously about 10 times the size he is in, uh, the, exactly. The, um, um he's in Dark Knight Rises but he's still believable like it's it's just on the cusp of um, believability I think yeah Um but, I think yeah.
1: with the Bond films now you know the you know the first film in, in you know in Casino Royale um, oh god Lest uh, uh, The Sheaf The Sheaf that's it yeah that's the one <laughs> His his villainy is that he's really good with numbers. He's the he's an accountant for terrorists. You know, he's not like yeah,
0: he's got he's got the classic Bond trait. He has a bleeding eye.
1: <laughs> yes, so, yes, he's got that. He's and got, he's
0: got the doesn't he have a um, inhaler as well? Yeah. <laughs> like there you so go, that's a, his thing.
1: And it's you know it's the fact that you know he's not he's not planning on taking over the earth or he's not planning on you know uh stealing a satellite or you know it's not like you know he's not he hasn't got a metal jaw he hasn't got mm. um the dying of a day villain where it was like they completely redid his whole body and his henchmen had diamonds he had, in yeah
0: he had diamonds in his face and, like
1: yeah and it's, it's stuff like that you find it, you know it's it's funny because i think that's when i was trying to get you know kind of get to the age where it's like this is dumb like this isn't yeah. <laughs> this this is <laughs> dumb now like you know it's it's not it's not even a fun film it's awful no. to watch
0: but hey, i know what you mean about when you said earlier as well like as a kid it's very much he's the good guy and he's basically invincible and you just want him to win and it's looking back now i remember i getting the uh, i think it came out maybe three or four years ago that the whole blu-ray collection of all the bond films and going through those again and it's definitely you see them in a different light some sometimes i wish i hadn't done that because you had a a kind of rose tinted glasses of when you were watching it thinking oh yeah i remember that being really good and then when you watch it again as a an adult you're like yeah that's not that great <laughs> but i'd say generally speaking you kind of have to go in with a with a oh, open mind with them i mean they're very over the top but but that's part of its success i think it's just pure yeah, but- escapism
1: and you know it, you're right in the sense that it was good because it made them rethink you know the future of the films and they have they have changed you know in all fairness, but it's good to have that that you know that diversity and change in the fact that you know the early sixties stuff was very stylish it was very um very cool secret agent film, and then the seventies and eighties was kind of your like cheesy action film almost uh with like its and your you know your, your, your cool soundtracks and whatnot and then um you know same kind of bits in the 90s and almost but a little bit more serious almost i suppose and then you've got the full-blown like you know spy thrillers espionage thrillers that are the the modern day ones as well so it's it's, it has very much adapted with the times while also you know a lot of the themes and characters and stuff like that still staying relevant to today as well it's um it, it is it is probably you know other than maybe like star wars it's probably the best and well known franchise out there, and I think that's you know it's amazing how it's lasted this long and will continue for many yeah. many
0: years. I think you're right, it probably is second to Star Wars in in um in sort of popularity. I, I wonder actually if it's probably the longest going franchise in regard, it would be like the 25th film, I think, this year. I think
1: it's um,
0: 26 the yeah, I think 26 is um but yeah so they've just been you know all the way back to 62 since dr no um it's just been constantly throwing them out and obviously different actors and stuff hasn't affected it really it, they, initially there's i remember even when sort of our generation it was when it went from Brosnan to craig and i remember probably we had discussions about like uh, craig's the new guy blah 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 but yeah. now I'm like, well, yeah, he's great. He's made it his own thing. You know, he's four, nearly five uh, films in and he's probably looking to pack it up now. And there's a lot of talks about changing over, so.
1: Yeah. And, that, and that's the thing, like, you know, I think for me, you know, I had a lot of, you know, Piers Brosnan was our Bond. He was like, you know, the Bond that we knew as a kid. Yeah. You know, he's our Bond. And, you know, I absolutely, you know, my probably my favourite video game of all time was GoldenEye <laughs> on the board. And, you know, that that's one of the other things that, you know, I loved about Bond as well was that game. But, you know, when when Pierce Brosnan left and Daniel Craig came in, it was like, okay, changing in the guard. Okay, let's see how it is. And then I remember the, um, the po- seeing the posters for Casino Royale and it was like, hang on, Bond is blonde.
0: That's yeah, not... I remember that was the headlines. He's, he's bloody
1: blonde. Yeah. And like, it was, it
0: was, and that, looking back now it's so it, ridiculous
1: yeah it was, it was just like hang on Bond's blonde what this no no and just being like no this isn't good like just silly and then um, I remember seeing Casino Royale the day it came out with my mum and dad and I just remember being like just coming out being like that was amazing just like just how you know how cool it was and how good it was and just um, you know it, it was just it was one of those things where like okay I'm on board now like yeah. I, I didn't didn't even bother me that Craig was a, a you know he his style was different and you know it wasn't what I, you know we used to for with Pierce Bros in the older films. It was just you know Casino Royale again still holds up to today just how good it was.
0: Yeah, it's the revamp it needed, it, especially yeah. after the Bourne films started to come out because that was where people were going like fans of those sorts of genres and films yeah. were going into the hard hitting, fast paced no gadgets, no messing about sort of yeah. style of action. And then, yeah. you know, you you, cut, you fly over to the Bonds franchise and it's dying another day and it's invisible cars and floating on, <laughs> surfing on waves and shit like that. And I'm just glad that, that those, I guess those Bourne films were, were made to kind of, like I said earlier, put a rocket up the arse of the producers from Bond. I'm like, right, we need to sort this out now. And I'm so and glad it-, it has done.
1: And it was, you know, with Skyfall, for example, you know, again, absolutely loved it. Just it was it was different. It was the whole, um, you know, they flipped on his head. It wasn't Bond going after the villain. This was the villain, like tapping into his personal life, tapping into his history. You know, it was one of those. um, It was, again, kind of (laughs) kind of comparing to the the Dark Knight almost with um, uh, Silver, you know, Javier Bardem's villain, you know he was one of those guys who he you know he didn't he didn't care about you know he could he get whatever he wants he, if he wants an island he gets an island if he gets a woman he wants a woman if he wants money he can get money if he wants followers he gets followers but it doesn't matter to him he just wants to mess with the world he just wants to mess with the the system he wants to yeah. mess with the you know he just wants to watch, you know that, that phrase some men just want to watch the world burn kind of mm-hmm. thing and it was the fact that you know he had to go after bond you know bond was happy to just kind of stay low do whatever but it was you know it was the the villain coming after bond for a change you know bond was the um the vulnerable one he was the one being sought after and stuff and it was it was just it was interesting to see like after 60 years them dipping into bond as a as a you know as not just the, he wasn't he's not perfect he's you know he's he's injured he's struggling to you know be the, the top agent still, and he's got a you know, home is, home is uh, craft again, all that. And it was just interesting to see a whole different side of that character again.
0: Exactly. Um, yeah. And I think that's for me why it stands out as one of, one of the best. And perhaps we'll do a, a later podcast on our top five Bond films, because I think we could probably talk all day about every Bond, and I, I definitely could. And I think for Skyfall, um, yeah, you're right. It's definitely, it, it makes him more human. Yeah, you know, all the other yeah. films where he's 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 superhuman. He's survived all of these ridiculous scenarios and got out of every single one of them. In this one, he still does that, but it's a very more realistic and humane way. And also, it's, it's dipping into, like you said, his 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 um, backstory slightly with the whole Skyfall Manor and his family, that. which is which is uh, is mentioned briefly throughout the series, but not in so much detail as that. And even also, it has the the. They bring back the DB five, which when I was in the yeah. cinema, I punched the fucking armrest next to a stranger, well, and I was <laughs> sorry about that. And
1: what I liked about it as well, you know, he does make it out, but he doesn't use any fancy gadgets or stuff. You know, he he has a sawn-off shotgun, he has light bulbs filled with nails, he has shotgun shells in the floorboard. You know, it's it's, it's almost like a grown-up version of Home Alone. You know, he sets all <laughs> sets. He, <laughs> you know he sets all these traps up for the henchmen so it's not, it's not fancy gadgets it's not lasers it's not you know uh exploding pens or whatever it's 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 whatever you've got available to you you've got to try and make it you know make your way to survive kind of thing so it
0: was i would love to see a bond villain get killed by a swinging uh yeah. I would love to see that. And then it just or, the, the theme tune just comes in and the credits roll up yeah. as the paint just pours over his face.
1: Or you know like the opening sequence where like the the um where it follows Bond and he turns and shoots. Yeah. Like follows him, he turns, and he throws an iron at some, at the screen and like... <laughs> just,
0: Yeah, the red <laughs> isn't blood, it's just a knocked over tin of red paint.
1: It's a big old burn mark on the screen.
0: <laughs> right, before we go into our top five. I, I have spent today and the last few days sort of going through the theme tunes again for every single Bond film. Okay. Um, what I was going to ask just quickly, if, I had, if you had to pick the worst Bond theme, what would it be? So for me, I'll go first with mine. For me, it's all-time high from Octopussy, which <laughs> is absolutely <laughs> shocking. It starts and it sounds, when it plays, it it starts like you're about to watch a blue movie. It's like, it's so like, ah, quick turn it down. People might hear this. And it's just so shit. It's like, it doesn't sound like a Bond film. It's just some shit pop song that's been thrown on top. And then you've got the classic silhouetted women dancing around to it. It's crap.
1: So it's funny you say that because i uh i went back and watched everything He's number
0: one
1: yeah so i no sorry i meant, so i went back and watched uh so i listened to the the uh the theme tunes but i lit but i watched them on the with the actual like opening titles yeah because I, I think that's i that personally that's how i kind of appreciate them more because i don't know about you but when that whenever they like in recent years where they've released a bond theme i've been like Uh, it sounds right. And then when you see it attached to the actual opening sequence and you go, actually that's really good. That fits. I like it. So I watched them back but I I watched the opening thing. It is... So you hit the... A lot of those early sequences could be... It's it's almost like psychedelic softcore porn. (laughs) It's weird. There's like skulls and blurring and kaleidoscopes and half naked women bit of nipple bit of you know just it's 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 like it's just
0: the alan partridge sketch where he's just explaining it and i'm pretty sure it might be octopus it's definitely one of the roger moore films i think but some of the women are just like swinging off poles and stuff and it's like this is like now i mean at the time you might have been fine okay but now it's like (laughs) why are you slow motion swinging naked just for the sake of this intro.
1: While looking at a kaleidoscope, it's just it's <laughs> it's like a psychedelic trip with strippers. You know, you know on, I'd
0: like on, I'd like to watch the the watch them without the sound on, and I bet it's just <laughs> <laughs> what is this
1: about? But but yeah, I know I know. So it's funny you say that about that. Uh, you know, because um, a lot of them, you know, a lot of obviously the Bond themes they don't have the title in the in the in the theme. You know, a lot of them obviously you know. They, you know, they're, they're centred around the title, but that one just sounds like a never, like a, just another song. Like yeah. it's, you know, it's the same as A um, Majesty's Secret Service. You know, we've got all the time in the world and it just, it, just, it just, it's just a song. You wouldn't think it's anything to do with Bond or mm-hmm. anything like that. And I think there is a lot of those Bond themes where you just kind of go, if this was attached to any other film, I could understand. I don't know why it's attached to a Bond film. It just yeah. doesn't, yeah. It just doesn't oh, work.
0: But I, I remember as a kid, so I remember I would buy the DVDs and the DVDs, you know, you had the, on the spines, it would spell eventually as you collected all, I think it was all 20 at the time. So it was when Dying of a Day had come out, it would say 007. I remember getting them through and I would watch, I'd watch them in order, in random order. I would just see which ones I could buy that week or whatever and just buy it. And I remember th- buying Octopussy and I was, at the time, I was like, I don't know if I remember this film. I was like, oh, I I really hope the theme tune, they mention Octopussy in the theme tune. And I was like, how are they going to pull this off? And then they just play All Time High, which is basically like, yeah, we've struggled to get a theme tune. Let's just, (laughs) that'll do, and throw it over the top of the swinging naked ladies. It's,
1: yeah, I I, I completely understand that. It's, It's amazing how, like, some of these bond themes are just absolute bangers and how some of them are just like what is this but no i think that's a fair enough choice
0: cool right okay so we'll start with our top five so what we'll do we'll work from five up to one did you want to know so no what we'll do is i'll I'll ask you your in a moment i'll ask your number five and we'll we'll discuss that and then i'll do my number five and then we'll go four four three three two two one one all the way up to the top so rather than do we're kind of switching between each other if that makes sense that's fine so i'll start with you then out of all the bond themes what is your number five pick
1: so uh, i haven't necessarily ranked mine but my number five pick and I've, what i've tried to do is make i didn't want to I wanted to pick a Bond theme for each kind of era. So I didn't want to do like two from the same Bond almost or t- same yeah. era. So, so number five is You Know My Name by Chris Cornell.
0: <laughs> nice. Nice. It's actually not in my list, but okay. it was up there because I agree. It's, it's definitely one of the best Daniel Craig ones. And it's also one, like you said earlier, that isn't got the the name of the film in the song, but still really no. good.
1: But it's got the, got the guitar riffs. It's got the trumpets. It's got the you know. It's got all those, those Bond theme elements, but not overly done like some of them have. Um, but I just, again, it was just I think it fit with because it was a whole kind of reboot of the genre and a re- reboot of the franchise, and it was just a completely different. You know, just a different theme than what we used to. Well,
0: it's like it's kind of like the punch in the face you want from this new series that is hard, hard cut and rough and ready. And it's that sort of rocky, loud theme tune that that Bond doesn't have much of. There are a few others, but generally speaking, it was it was the it's a powerful theme to then come back to, and just be like yeah this is this is the new bond this is the new sound this is what it's going to be like and his Chris Cornell's voice is just so perfect for that song
1: So yeah and I just I just think it you know that again personally I think that just kind of fit into why I thought it was so great and it you know I bought into the whole reboot because it was just like okay it's not it's not the same old kind of bond themes this is something different it's still got the elements of a bond theme you know it's still got its throwbacks it's not just a cut and paste of, you know, other things. So I, you know, Chris Cornell, Audio Slave, you know, Soundgarden, Rock Legend, doing a Bond theme is just, you know, amazing. Um, yeah. I, don't, I don't know if it was Casino Royale or not, or if it was one of, um, maybe a Solace, but was it Radiohead going to do one of the themes? For no, the,
0: the more- so they, Radiohead released a song called Spectre, and there was rumours it was going to be for Spectre. Um,
1: uh, that's
0: what But um, whether that's true or not, but it would be convi- it's, it, it kind of must be because it was released around the same time with the exact same title as the film. So <laughs> but they, I think they could pull it off in this sort of day and age as well. They could pull off um, a good Bond theme. I think so, um, yeah. But it'd be interesting to see what they do. Okay, nice, good pick. So my number five... Is slightly similar in its. It's kind of a rockier of a, of the Bond themes. Live and Let Die by Paul McCartney and Wings. Yeah, yeah so oh, that yeah. is in
1: that is in my honorable mentions.
0: Ooh, okay. Um, I I love this song, and I it's my favorite Roger Moore film. And even though it's his first film, he's it's I just love the whole voodoo um, theme that runs through it. Um, but the song itself I just love the slow start where it's like you know it's all lovey dovey ah yeah lovely and then it just kicks in and it's just and it's just so loud and it was just an, again funnily enough it was obviously the first film for Roger Moore as well so it had this massive impact like right okay it's just this new change from you know we had Connery come back for that one film for Diamonds Are Forever and it was very much right new sound new bond um it was a loud it had like i said it had that slow start and builds into this very loud and pumping soundtrack afterwards um and i think from memory i unfortunately i got around to watch all of the intros again but I, I do remember that intro um video for the theme song as well being a bit more different it was very much on voodoo and skulls and stuff like that yeah. um and snakes, I'm I'm sure something yeah. like that. And I just remember that one stood out, and it's definitely a powerful song, and definitely for me one of the best. uh In fact, it is the best Roger Moore film. I think it's a bit. It's before they all got a bit cheesy and ridiculous.
1: And it's um, yeah, it's funny. You know, you say about the the video and that. So it's one of one of the ones I saw, and there is is that there's a shot where. Because, you, you know, it starts off with your girls dancing around with, um, you know, like the voodoo body paint and, you know, dancing around with like flames and stuff like that. And there's one shot when it kicks in with like the live and let die. And like the girl, like there's like a, it's like a, um, it's a, a shot of the girl's face. And then it turns into a skull and it keeps like flashing back and forth to her face That's in the it. skull. And it's on, that like, there's flames coming out and there's all, it's like such a like a powerful, like, oh my God, like this is,
0: you know. This exactly. is such, And it's just something different from you would get, I can't imagine Connery doing this stuff. No. It's like His was very more like, you know, the, the posh, well-spoken guy. And I can't, I don't know, I couldn't imagine that intro working for Connery or that video working for a, a Bond film with Connery in it. And I think it was quite the new fresh sound for the film at the time to bring someone else in at the same time as the, as the move on so i i i think it's one of the best ones definitely
1: I think, that, I think that's a decent enough choice
0: okay so number 4 for you max
1: number 4 i've gone with GoldenEye by tina turner
0: Ooh, okay interesting
1: so, so uh, there was quite i think it was like 6 or 7 years between um GoldenEye, and the previous film, which was Living... License to
0: Kill. Kill,
1: Yes, sorry, License to Kill. So, there's a good six or seven years between, you know, Bond films at that point. So, again, this was the first, Brosnan's first film. It was a new, you know, new take on Bond. It was, you know, it was a 90s Bond. It was a 90s Bond film. And I think, you know, the the reason I like this is because it's one of those, um, it's one of those theme tunes where whenever they reboot something or, um, you know, there's a sequel to something that's not been around for a while, it kicks off with like the dum-dum-dum-dum. <laughs> uh, it's like the, you know, it's, oh, here we go. It's a Bond theme. It's yeah. a Bond theme. You know, like it's, it's that kind of, you know, it's, it just, it kicks off with like the, you know, the classic sort of Bond-ish theme. And then it kicks in with like the, you know, the um, Tina Turner's voice. And just, I don't know, it's just a very cool theme. And I think it just fits it going back again when you think about you know this is this was Brosnan's first film this was the restart of the franchise this was a whole new thing and just have such a cool theme tune with you know I had again the style of the Bond films and still have like a modern take on it was just great and I think again Goldeneye itself was just such a brilliant film because that was you know that was the first film of my kind of generation of Bond you know Golden Iron off the video game and you know yada yada but like it just yeah, I, I think it's just a great great theme. It suits the film as well. And and it mentions the title of the film as well, which is always good for
0: <laughs> Yeah, I was just looking through all of my top five and they're all they're all uh, theme songs with the film <laughs> yeah. title in them. But I was just on that as well. I think generally speaking, the best Bond films are sung by Pa- uh, v- women with powerful voices yeah. um, and I won't go into because some of them on my list but generally speaking those are the ones that, I, that for me as a Bond fan I think they're the ones that best suit Bond themes they seem to be female vocalists just I don't know uh, why if it's because the main protagonist is a man I don't know but those songs and maybe it's because some of the earlier ones were very much um, by women as well but those having that powerful female vocal over the title sequence always seems to work on much better.
1: It's almost like, um, like I said, he's a, he's a male protagonist. You know, he's the hero, and it's almost as if, like, they are—I don't know—like a sort of a hard to describe, but kind of, you know, they're, they're singing his praises. They're singing, like, you know, they're like the the muses back in the day, singing about, you know, mm. the the. the- heroes and stuff like that they are they they are singing about the this hero that that's gonna save the world and all this kind of thing it's uh... yeah a lot
0: of the songs are very much like you know he, he's uh i try not to sing it because it's it goes into one of the ones we talk about in a moment but it's very much like some of the running themes of some of the songs would be like you know he's this guy he's be wary of him he does you know he's a he's a womanizer and all this stuff so i think it's only, it would be weird for a man to sing that about another man perhaps but it just seems to work better with a female vocalist sort of saying those lyrics and getting those across in the songs but um yeah no that's uh that's another good choice nice one
1: what's your four
0: my number four so my list <laughs> i i i'm um an ard Um an ard um, a few times as to how serious I want to do this. So do I go for, you know, the classic James Bond themes? Do I go for the, the guilty pleasures? Um, and I kind of did what you've done as well, and I've tried to mix it up from the different sort of generations and try to do different Bonds as well. But I can't not mention um, View to a Kill by Duran oh, Duran.
1: That was was That's my three
0: it's so it's just it's just so good it's just so catchy and i would possibly argue if someone said to me yeah but it doesn't sound like a bond um theme i would be like yeah maybe yeah that's, okay fair enough but it's
1: a banging 80s I mean, it's chick. just
0: such a banging 80s song it's so and the, it's a shame because the film is shit the film is pretty crap it's like bond uh, Roger Moore was about 57 at that time yeah, and it, you can certainly tell and it just was a bit creepy when he was trying to
1: I do, go I, for the I, girl Max Zorin though
0: Yeah, I mean Christopher Walken and Grace Chris. Jones to be fair, Grace Jones is pretty good in it
1: Yeah, Mayday, yeah, absolutely um,
0: But the song is just so good It's um, it's very much of that time yeah. where it's just like uh, 80s and has that 80s synthesizer sound in it and even the music video with Duran Duran is, <laughs> they use clips from the film and stuff. It's just, it's just great. You can't, I, you can't I love, not like it.
1: I love how the music video is, I don't know if you remember this. It is, it's clips from the film, but there's like a weird 80 <laughs> awful CGI drone camera that's like following Bond. <laughs> yeah. Away from you.
0: yeah, it's like they're. <laughs> I'm pretty sure there's the bit, uh, they're up the Eiffel Tower and they're like (laughs) they're acting as if they're tourists are just looking through the you know just looking (laughs) for the postcards and stuff and james bond's just getting shot at and (laughs) stuff in the background (laughs) it's quite i mean again it's all just part of the fun and they've obviously got these crazy 80s hairdos and singing along but i i it's it's one of the songs as well like i said I, i don't know it's one of my favorite bond themes that it's a theme for for a Bond film, rather than it sounds like a Bond theme. If that makes sense. Yeah. So there's other ones that are like, yeah, that that would. I don't know what, I don't know how you'd explain it. What the formula would be. There are certain songs was like, yeah, that hits the formula of a Bond theme. This doesn't, but it's still it's still a great song. I think yeah. it's it, it it's definitely one of the standouts. When I was looking at today, I was like, that's the one I just sing along to and know all the words to. So I was like, I'd have to I have to put this in as a um, As a guilty pleasure in there,,
1: and I think you know what you said about if you, if someone said it doesn 't seem being a bond film, but it 's one of those songs where it could transcend it could be a bond film uh, theme or it could just be an absolutely great song it, it could be one or either, and I think you 're right it doesn't it doesn 't conform to that sort of bond you know when i when i you know when you talk about a classic bond theme, like I said, you always have the the guitar riff you have the um uh like the you know the the trumpets and the saxophones stuff like that you have that kind of the 60s like
0: the orchestral side of it isn't it yeah
1: that's right yeah you have the orchestral part but this doesn't seem to have any of that but it's it, but it fits with a kind of you know punchy spy action sexy film kind of thing and it mm. just it, it works still without having to be within that conformed bond theme you know that it kind of follows
0: definitely yeah i'd agree with that it's the, the, there are those two there's two kind of camps isn't there there's the orchestral like um big crescendo bond theme and then there's also the pop songs that are bolted onto yeah. bond themes as well and um, i don't actually i'll i'll mention it now i don't know if you've got it but um one of the ones that for me bond theme wise that doesn't work and it, it falls into the ones that i'd probably put as the worst thing is the um one for Quantum of Solace with Jack White and Alicia Keys. Yeah. It's just, I don't know about you. I'll just quickly talk on that now, but it's such a jarring song. It doesn't, it doesn't really work in any way. It's just like, and also I wonder how uh, much, actually here's a question. How much do you think this, the Bond theme factors into how good the actual film is itself?
1: I think it kind of factors into whether or not you're going to go watch it or, you know, (laughs) I don't know. So I, I so it's funny you say that because I remember my dad uh saying to me, you know, when it first, when they first released, you know, because Jack White and Alicia Keys, isn't it? It's um yeah. Another Way to Die. That's it. Yeah. And he said, Have you heard the new Bond theme? I was like, uh, yeah. It's like it's awful, isn't it? I was like, well, I mean, this it is what it is kind of thing. Like I'm not a huge fan of it. And you know, it was like don't really fancy it to be honest and like mm. and it, you know again dad's a big Bond fan and I'm not, I'm not sure if he's seen Bond or like that. but it's, it's stuff like that you just kind of think I suppose you know if you're not a diehard Bond fan that's going to go watch it you know regardless if you go oh god is that, is that the Bond theme oh god like, now nah, I'll, I'll, I'll give it a miss kind of thing but I think I think it definitely gives it you know like I said I watched I, I went back and listened to these with the actual opening titles mm. and if it doesn't fit in with the titles, I think I think you're right. I think it does kind of affect your viewing in a bit because you think, oh, you know, the title sequence of a Bond film is iconic. It's like, you know, what what they're going to use, what is it going to look like, what yeah. start you know, how are is it going to be? And if it's, you know, if it has a theme that you can't get behind, then it kind of falls flat for the, not not the rest of the film, don't get wrong, the rest of the film might be great, but it just kind of, it starts you off on a kind of a bad trip where you're like, no, I didn't. Didn't really feel that, but I get. I get what you mean with that one because that does have a lot of the orchestral and classic stuff. But it, it almost it it almost feels like it's not a Bond theme. It feels like somebody has done a song and they've sampled Bond themes. It's kind of like do you remember Millennium by Robbie Williams.
0: <laughs> yeah, they used. Um, you only live twice, didn't they?
1: Yeah. You you know it's not a Bond theme. He's not done a Bond theme, but he's done it in the style of a Bond theme. It, it you know you could also you could almost you know compare it to that where it's you don't feel like oh this is a Bond theme. It's like no, I get what you've done. You've you've done a song trying to be like a Bond theme. Yeah. it's just it, does, it, it just, just doesn't
0: just, work. It just felt like oh I'm Jack White. I'm really quirky. Let me just go batshit on this on this guitar for a theme tune. And I was like no, nah, doesn't doesn't work. It really doesn't work.
1: <laughs> Here's a question for you then. If it was just Alicia Keys,
0: do you think it would have worked? I think if it was Alicia Keys singing that sort of Bond theme orchestral piece, I think it would have been perfectly fine. I think to have all this weird, it does have that Bond guitar sort of sound, but it's a very hard electrical guitar. Yes. It's, it's just, it, it just didn't work. And I remember the title sequence being quite good because it was all about sand and then we were in the desert and stuff like that. And that was cool. But the, like you said, it just didn't really match up with the, the song. It's a bit crap, I guess. It just, and the whole film, I, and I wondered if that made a sort of an impact in the film. But I think you're right. I think especially now, I mean, I can't speak for what the, the, you know, what it used to be back in the day of all the Bond themes and before release. But very much now with No Time to Die, it was like, you know, a couple of weeks before the release would come out, they'd yeah. play the song. And it would be kind of a make, not, I mean, I'm going to see it regardless, but it's kind of, it is a get your foot in the door sort of opportunity to say, right, I, I like that theme tune and I can, you know, perhaps I will go see that. And definitely with Quantum of Solace, it would been like, if I heard that on the radio, I'd just switch and change channel.
1: Absolutely. And, and you know, it, you kind of, like I said, it may not put you off the film completely, but if you kind of go, oh no, this title sequence got an awful Jack White Alicia Keys song. Yeah. you just kind of get through this part and it kind of you know it kind of ruins that bit for you but I mean what's what your you know we said about doing another episode about Bonds but just quickly you know without too much detail
0: Yeah,
1: I'm not a fan of Quantum of Solace like it, it, you know I, I didn't really I don't know what it is I think it's one of those Bonds that I just haven't rewatched many times because I just don't I don't know I, I just didn't like it
0: um yeah, I, it's it's Daniel Craig's weakest film. Um, it it's quite interesting because it kind of carries on from the Casino Royale. Yes. The, end, the end. The the start is very, is got the guy in the boot of the car, and that yeah, was quite the... interest. Yeah, that's it. It was quite interesting to see that because I don't just quickly thinking back. There's not a there's no Bond film that's like that. They're very much in silo and singular. I know they had references like Jaws is in Spy Who Loved Me and is in Moonraker, yeah. but they're not, they're not directly linked as such. Just, he's in, he just happens to be in two of the films. But I thought that was quite interesting. that It kind of went on to the, as it's kind of a direct sequel rather than just the next in the franchise, if that makes sense. Yeah. But after that initial sort of car chase at the start, which I think is quite good, nothing really stands out in that film. And no. I think another thing that really annoyed me is they do the whole woman covered in oil on the bed, which is like, well, that's Goldfinger. Like, yeah, just, just do your own thing. Do your the, each each Bond film for me has a thing go. Oh, that's that film that ha- that this happens, or you know, this person's in. It has a quick thing that anyone it should have this this scene or this character that someone can go, yeah, that's from that film straight away. And I don't know what Quantum of Solace would be unique the thing that stood out for me is the oil bit but like i said it's been used elsewhere it's it's the goldfinger girl covered in gold paint Um, there's nothing in that film that stands out as uh, as unique and pinpointed as that particular film
1: no and it was you know it's a cool little throwback because obviously in goldfinger he's obsessed with gold so he covers her in gold and kills her this guy you know the the, um quantum solace He's obsessed with uh, you know resources like water and oil and yeah. you know all that. So his thing is oil and uh, you know so he drums her in oil. So it's, it, it is a cool little f- throwback, but I agree it's one of those things we just kind of think you know it doesn't have any of its own identity at all. There's no there's no moments in it where you go ah oh, do you remember the bit in Quantum of Solace where that happens? You just yeah. there's nothing. But
0: like I, I'm, I'm I'm genuinely thinking now I'm like I can't even remember the stunts in the film. I can't. There's no big set piece. There's no...
1: Right, I I, I'd,
0: I'd have to watch it again to really remember what happens. I remember there's the bit there at some opera and like, yes. he's spying on them. But that's not action-packed. It's just him no. watching people watch people. Um, it was. It when just doesn't about, stand out.
1: When you think about, like, if you talk about Casino Royale, the bit with the, um, the parkour chase through the hotel, you know, through the building site and... yeah. That is just, like, you know, that was brilliant. That was, you know, that was one of those bits that made it stand out straight away. We've never seen, uh, you know, an on-foot chase like that in a Bond film, where the, you know, his the guy is just doing unbelievable stunts and on a crane and all that kind of stuff. Just absolutely, you know, mad, mad stuff like that. Yeah. You know, there was nothing in there was nothing in Quantum. There was just kind of it. Just yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head. There's nothing. There's nothing individual about it that says, oh, this is this is that's. You know, this film has put this stamp of its own you know in the franchise exactly.
0: yeah it is definitely definitely one of the worst um, right so was you to you to kill your third one then
1: was yeah so what's your number 3
0: okay so my number 3 is skyfall by Adele Ooh. okay and yeah for me this again goes back to what we've already said about you know the strong powerful female voice i remember hearing this on the radio i think i was pretty sure i was driving when this was played and i was thinking as soon as it played i was like and she starts singing that like, this is perfect this is what a bond film uh, theme should be it's the pat it's the slow intro and i even when you were when it was being played i could visualize a kind of a basic um uh the the, the title sequence at the same time yeah and i just remember thinking like, this for me is is the first Daniel Craig Bond theme that is yeah, this is Bond, this is Bond. Um and I remember just thinking this harks back to all of the sort of Shirley Bassey songs. It's that big, powerful female voice. And I'm I just remember thinking this is this is what all of them should sound like. Not all of them should sound like, but this is kind of the blueprint of um what a bond for me, what a bond theme should sound like. And it even has I remember thinking oh, before the song was out, I was like, Skyfall, how are you going to get Skyfall into a song? But it just works. And it, they, you know she references it obviously in, as in the chorus, but it doesn't sound really weird, if that makes sense. Like Skyfall yeah, but- isn't a word, it's just a made up thing for the, for the movie. But she, it, it, just, it just works so well that it, it never felt jarring. And, and I even remember seeing the film in the cinema and when the title sequence comes up, I just, and it's when he just gets shot and falls into the, into the river below. And I was like, that's just the perfect setup. Like he's just slowly sinking and you've got these slow intro to the song and then it just builds up, has that big crescendo. And I think it's it's brilliant. It's one of the, definitely one of the best.
1: And I I think, yeah, I definitely agree. It's one of those, and it's one of those themes that I think is made better by the, the, the opening sequence because it's, you know, it was, um, I remember at the time it was heavily rumored that it was like, "This is the film where Bond dies." Like mm. this is going to. There was a lot of like, um, you know, this is this maybe bon, uh, Daniel Craig's last film, and um, they want to go in a different direction. There was a lot of kind of like, you know, the trailer was kind of almost that, you know, that sort of thing of like, you know, this could be the end of Bond. So it fitted yeah. so much better when you saw the title sequence. Obviously, get shot at the start, and it was like, you know, um he's you know he's injured he's you know he's going to be you know he goes off you know they declare him dead obviously later on the film but like it, it just felt it it fitted with the whole sort of uh, mood of the film which is like this is gonna be quite a dark one this is gonna be quite a, mm. you know a, a serious um bond you know from from others and but I, it, I, I even,
0: it just it just flows into it flows perfectly into it so you have the scene where he gets shot and he falls down and then it flows into the song and it doesn't feel like it feel full bolted on it's like some of the pop songs that they have for Bond themes they'll do the intro and then they'll just go they'll just cut straight to the pop song and do the do the you know dancing naked lady stuff but with this one it just it just flows straight into that song and then it flows straight out and the movie carries on it's like it's part of the film it doesn't go you don't see it as sort of hard and fast like some of the other ones where it's like intro you know step one intro step two let's just play the song step three is the rest of the film it never it feels like that and some of them do um but this one just flows straight in and it it kind of just works so well
1: i think it's interesting that so I'm not, you know, I wouldn't call myself a, a fan of Adele. Like, I don't I go, you know, I'm not actively listening to Adele's music. So, yeah. you know, for me, it's, it's, with a lot of them, to be fair, you know, a lot of Bond themes in the recent years, again, not a fan of Sam Smith, not a fan of Billie Eilish. You know, I'm not someone who is a fan of their music. So it's, it's amazing how a Bond theme can make you kind of um, see that. See art see differently. Different, yeah, absolutely. Because, you know, that Dell song, I don't, you know, she may do songs that are very similar to it, but it's very, you know, it, it, it's, it's, it's different from what I know. From a, you know, I'm not, again, I'm not a huge Adele fan, so I'm not an expert, but it just seems it's very different from what her other stuff is. So it's just it's amazing how she's been able to bring something completely different from a, you mm-hmm. know, from a normal music to, to this. And I would yes. agree. I think it's that kind of classical, like you said, female powerful voice um to, to kick the film off
0: yeah and i think it's a good point and i i when you're saying about when the, these artists are announced so before you even hear the song it's like you know f- you know for example the recent one when it was announced Billie eilish and i was like all i knew was bad guys I was like how the, <laughs> how the hell is this gonna work yeah but and then hearing that and actually that's a good point just to quickly mention it is i i'm a, i haven't listened to it Enough, and I'm wait. Obviously, waiting for the film to come out and see that title sequence to go side by side with the song. But again, I, I was I was blown away by the song by Billie Eilish, and I think it is a Bond theme. It does sound like a Bond theme, and I just and like you said, it's her her music outside of Bond isn't. I'm not particularly familiar with it, um, but it seems to be when they put in the scenario of right, you're doing a Bond theme, it it's it's paid off and it's it definitely sounds like one um and if someone had told me if someone hadn't told me it was Billie Eilish I I wouldn't have known it was her at all
1: no and the thing is it's you know I suppose any artist if you're asked to do a Bond theme as well it's a big deal for them as well so they want to get it right and they you know they want to give it all that you know because it's such a big thing it's going to be part of a big franchise you know all that kind of thing so yeah, I think I think Skyfall is a very good example of that kind of thing where they've taken a really great artist, a modern day artist everybody knows, put them into a franchise that everybody knows, and created a really good theme that you know is very it's very in keeping with the classic stuff. It's very modern as well. It, yeah. It's got elements of everything that just it just works. So I think that's a, yeah, I think that's a solid choice.
0: Okay, on to your numero dos. So my
1: number two is probably. Uh, the only kind of um, I don't know. I suppose you, like not cheesy, but I suppose the um, I don't know that kind of era. But I've gone with and this. <laughs> <laughs> I really like this one, and I think I think it's got one of the catchiest like tunes behind it and stuff. Man with the golden gun. <laughs> by Lulu. Oh wow!
0: By Lulu, yeah.
1: So it's very fast paced. It's very punchy. It's very you know. It's not like Um, one of the slow, methodical kind of Bond themes. It's like, you know,
0: it's, you know,
1: it's, it's very, I don't know, it's, you know, again, it's one of those very different Bond themes that doesn't kind of, it's got cool guitar riffs. Again, it's got that, it's got the, it's got the orchestral feel to it, but it's not, again, it's not slow. It's like, you know, quite fast moving. It's quite punchy. It's quite, it's quite, you know it just and even the lyrics are great you know when it's like uh uh he charges a million shut." <laughs> like you know it's just it's just, it's it's such a cool hype hype song for the man with the golden gun it's so you know it it's um it, it would be such a great entrance theme for him if he was like a wrestler or something like that it would just, just sums him up you know it's it, there's even the funny bit. it it's like um what was it it says something like um he comes before he shoots, or something like that, or something. Just like this, <laughs>
0: wow. it's like tongue in cheek,
1: yeah, that's it. Tongue, like tongue in cheek lyrics, stuff like that. it's like, no one can catch him. Uh, it, it, it's such I, cool...
0: I think for me, it's one of the worst. <laughs> <laughs> I honestly I hate it because, it, firstly, it's like, right, the film's called Man with the Golden Gun. No like, nah, they're not gonna be able to sing that in a in a theme tune. No, nope, she's done it and then she literally it's like she's it's like you just said there. She's talking you through what he's doing. It's like and he's got it's, he's got a golden gun and he charges you a lot for money and he's gonna fire it at you and it's very gold. It's, it's like yeah, it's I funny, get it.
1: It's funny you say that because it's not like uh it's not like man with a golden gun is uh it's obviously it's in the lyrics, but it's not it doesn't flow into the lyrics it's not part of like a sentence it's like it's just man with the golden gun
0: <laughs> yeah it's like oh, <laughs> who da, da, is da, 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 this guy yeah uh, there's a, da,
1: da, 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 da. man with the golden gun <laughs> it's just like it's just so yeah I, I i agree with that but i don't know what it is i don't know what it i just it, i just love it i think it's a, i think it's one of the cheesier ones but it's one of the cheesier guilty pleasure ones that i will allow and i i, I do love
0: nice nice like it so It flows quite nicely into the cheesy song that I love and can't get enough of, which is my number two, which is Gladys Knight License to Kill.
1: Okay.
0: (laughs) I love this one. Ridiculous amount. I used to sing this at work quite a lot. (laughs) Like, I just... (laughs) (laughs) Because, like, part of our job would be to to look at um, driving licences and so I oh. would just sing license to you in the old
1: new business payout days
0: so I, I just love it and it's kind of I could probably kind of being a bit hypocritical here because this is very much, this could just be a pop song that's bolted on, that's about Bond rather than being in a film with Bond in if that makes sense but this is just it has that slow build as well and then it's just the again it's that powerful female voice again um it just it's it's very much more a pop song and it it doesn't fit in as a bond uh theme however it is my massive guilty pleasure so i've i kind of put my top two are one my number one's my serious selection and number two is my top guilty pleasure and um I just think this one's great. And the film's great as well. I remember we were saying before, this is the first 15 rated uh, James Bond film. And it's Timothy Dalton's last one. Um, and it, it's actually it's so underrated. And not, not a lot of people, when they talk about Bonds, they, they talk about obviously the Conneries and stuff. I, t- Timothy Dalton is, Living Daylights isn't great, but him as a Bond, he's so good at it. And I wish he'd done like, even just one more. But License to Kill is definitely the best of the two he's done. And um, yeah, I just remember this theme tune is just classic. I'm pretty sure she's actually in the intro singing it, as in she's just there, unless that's mixed out with the with the actual music video for it. License but.
1: to Kill, the Dalton film with the with Felix, or is that?
0: Yeah, it's the, yeah, it's the one with the shark.
1: Yes, he gets fed so to I, the shark. Yeah, so I I put that on the same kind of spectrum as um, the first Roger Moore film, in the sense that. The villain isn't your typical villain. Again, it's not this. What? It's not this person looking for world domination. It's a. He's a drug dealer. He's a. He's a massive, mm. cocaine dealer. Isn't necessarily. You don't think of Bond as like, I'm going to take down drug dealers. Do you know what I mean? You kind of think I'm going to take down this guy who's a, got a nuclear bomb. You know, I've got. I'm going to take down this guy who's got a volcano. Yeah. Is that, it's, it's. a drug dealer. You know, he's. I don't know He's a dra- He's a bad person still, but it, you just kind of feel. It's a little bit small fry for Bond, almost. Mm, mm. Uh, So I think maybe that's why it's not it's not appreciated that much because it's not it's not it doesn't fall within that normal yeah sort
0: of that over the top like world dominating feeling. It's very much just like you said. He's the he's the drug dealer guy that he's that that Bond's trying to go after. But yeah, um, yeah, perhaps it is. But I, I always hold that as high as one of the better Bond films. I remember also he's got a young Benicio del Toro in there. Yeah. Um, exactly. Which he's actually quite good in. He's quite, He stand out even uh, as a young actor in that. But um, yeah, I've just, this one's great. And the theme tune is, is so cheesy and poppy. Um, but I just love it. It's one, I. it's definitely one I, it, I try to um, sing at the top of my lungs. If I put it on at <laughs> home and try and badly put it off. But uh yeah. That's... A... <laughs> no, that's in the next episode. <laughs> <laughs> Top five ways to burst your eardrum. <laughs> uh okay, so that leads on to numero uno, number one, Max. What you
1: got? My number is You Only Live Twice by Nancy. Oh. So. so for me, again, this is it's memorable Bond theme it's the you know I said about the (laughs) Robbie Williams Millennium The Hmm. it's just as soon as you hear it you think Bond you think you know again sexy spy film you know it's 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 one of those things where straight away that intro hits and you, you you know you instantly know what it is and it you know brings back all you know the kind of Bond memories and whatnot and I think again it's, it's you know Nancy Sinatra a great voice you know lovely song and again it just fits so well with that kind of um, the the era of the bond that's you know the era in which this one is made where it's that kind of um, the sexy spy espionage film it just fits so well in with it and like I said I think it's just got such a memorable you know um, such a memorable tune it just, it just fits well and I think it's one of the most you know Memorable and most uh,
0: I, I always I always think um, that the opening sort of orchestral bit is very much when I hear it it 's very much I can see you know landscapes and shots of yeah. all, all all across the world that he's sort of jet set into it always just transports you on that sort of uh, journey. journey and like sort of visual representation of what the film's about. Um, but, yeah, I think, yeah, it's definitely um, one of the better ones and actually one of the better films of Connery's as well.
1: And it's got, the you know, it's got, I remember, her, um, <laughs> again, you know, as a kid, not kind of really absorbing what's going on. I remember watching You Only Live Twice, my mum and dad, and obviously it starts with him being uh, shot in that bed. In the bed, yeah. Yeah, the bed goes up and the girl shoots the bed, you know, he shoots him while he's stuck in the bed. And it was like, oh, okay. <laughs> and then you know, then they bury him at sea. And it was like, oh, <laughs> okay,
0: yes, that's now. it then.
1: <laughs> well, back, time for bed. Like, but yeah, but like it was just one of those kind of things. And then, oh no, he's alive. Oh, okay, it was a it was a ploy. Oh, okay, but it was just that kind of you know, first, first impression kind of being like, oh, he he, he died. Okay, like, <laughs> and, then,
0: and then you and then you realize that. So that's why they've called it you only live twice. <laughs> <It's> like
1: clever. I <laughs> <They> get
0: it. <laughs> and then it <they> cut to <laughs> octopusy like what? <laughs> yeah,
1: what, what? But but yeah, it just uh, yeah, I think it just I, I absolutely I think you again great point there. As soon as you hear that intro, it does kind of you do, you do you picture all the exotic places that Bond visits. And I think it's because if you know, if you go back and watch the film, they play that piece of the intro over like the starts of shots and the starts of scenes you know mm. the big things in where you go to these places so i think that's why it kind of resonates when you hear it because you think of the the you know the opening to different shots and parts of the film it just kind of calls back to that so so yeah so that is my my number one on the uh, the top bond things list. What's I, I, one we've got?
0: I think it's a good shout and i think the um, millennium reference is good because he obviously in that music video that he done is is very much harking back to Bond um, traits and Bond sort of things that, that references. And I think possibly um, it is like you said, one of the the themes or that, that, especially that intro, uh, the intro of that song is one people will go, yeah, that's Bond straight away. It has that sound straight. It's hard to explain what exactly is a Bond sound. But yeah, I, think and I think people would go, yeah, that sounds like a Bond film theme.
1: You know, it's a funny thing to reference back to, but the Robbie Williams Millennium Song, I think it'd be very hard to do to to sample or copy any other Bond theme and get the same feel, Where it's like, uh, you know, because even the music video, he's, he's, you know, he's dressed as Bond and he's, you know, drinking martinis and he's with girls. And he's got a super, you know, cool car and all that. And I think it's for, you know if he did it with any other Bond theme, there's very there's very few where you would go, oh cool, I, I see why he's doing the Bond theme sort you know the Bond lifestyle because this is a Bond theme. Whereas that that song, you instantly you know you can instantly direct it with Bond and that cool style style of the you know the spy film and it just works.
0: I'd love to him for him to have sampled All Time High with the porn <laughs> intro at the start. It would have been a a completely different song.
1: Uh, Totally different, yeah. I like that.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so my number one, and is also the theme tune to my favourite Bond film of all time, it's Shirley Bassey, Goldfinger. Nice, okay. And for me, this is the blueprint for something like Skyfall. This is the song I imagine, and they said, "Right, we want an epic, um, we want an epic Bond theme with the female vocalist," and they would refer back to Goldfinger. I think by this time, being the third Bond film, they had the franchise had now at that to that point had kind of got this formula down, and okay. I think this is the first Bond theme. Although Doctor No, the fir- the theme is just the James Bond theme, which in itself is just iconic and everyone everyone loves that thing they've got to um i think goldfinger is the first bond theme that stands out and is his is his own great song without even just any context even though this is very much the song it's ex- it's explaining and setting up the villain of the type ti- of the title and of the so, film
1: it, yeah and it's funny how so i said about man with the golden gun <laughs> it,
0: you
1: know, it almost does exactly the same thing it describes the villain and it you know it, it it hypes up the villain, but I, I, I assume I mean Goldfinger just does it in such a much more stylish, cool way of doing it.
0: Yeah, I think yeah, exactly. I was going to mention that because they're very similar because they are both songs about villain, the the main villain in the film, and I think here it's it's it it's it's said so elegantly and it's it explains it in a serious sort of manner, even though the the, the name itself is quite of tongue-in-cheek as well but i just just think we're going back to man with the golden gun it's very much like yeah he's bad he's got a gun that's gold and you know costs a lot and he's got three nipples you know (laughs) pretty sure that's not a line but should be.
1: that is one of the lyrics they should have put in because that is the key key character points that they forgot to mention that he has three nipples and that is one of the i just
0: i can just picture lulu in a sound booth just (laughs) say just say things and we'll just fit it to the theme tune. They, just, they just make a, it up.
1: They just had a picture of Christopher Lee holding a golden gun, and said, "Right, just pointing at his what,
0: third nipple."
1: <laughs> three nipples. The man with the golden gun. <laughs> like it's, it yeah,
0: makes, if you could, Lulu, if you could just slip in a line about the third nipple, that'd be great. It
1: just makes <laughs> it just more dangerous than the average man because he has three nipples. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, I love how we've just turn this into nipple talk um, but yeah Goldfinger I think like I said it's, it's my favourite Bond film it's the one I remember as a kid I don't know I, I think we used to you know watch them on I, to, I feel like they used to always be on a Sunday they probably yeah. still are but they used to always be on a Sunday and I never remember I would always sort of, sort of turn on Bond and it'd be on telly I don't remember sitting down going Bond's on now let's watch it from start to finish I'd always sort of go in and um, I come across and watching it, and it always—I remember starting it. It was the scene um, where he, the Bond, is on the on the table with the laser. Yes, and uh, that's that's always just one of the first like scenes I remember from Bond. I was thinking, what is, what is this? And I'm just getting engrossed in it. So, I'm kind of slightly biased, I guess is that's the film that I always remember being one of the first to sort of watch. Um, but. But back to, back to the theme tune, I, I think, yeah, this this is the blueprint for a Bond theme. I think Skyfall has definitely referenced it in its in its tone and what it should say. And Shirley Bassey's obviously got this ridiculously powerful um, singing voice. And obviously they got her back to do Diamonds Are Forever and Moonraker. Um, I think actually she's probably the most, she's done the most Bond themes, thinking about it. Yeah, she would have done um, and it's for good reason, because I think her, her voice just, they just complement the the Bond sort of genre of, well, the spy genre and the Bond sort of franchise. I think they go hand in hand. And I think, like I said earlier on um, in this, it's the female vocals that seem to just, and I wonder if it's because Shirley Bassey had, had been actually the first one, because I remember Matt Monroe did From Russia With Love, which great film it's not as great theme tune is a bit forgettable but when Goldfinger comes in it's like yeah this is great and this is the this is the sort of theme that that for me is bond um and they're synonymous together and and with it being my favorite bond film as well i think the theme tune does play a part in that
1: and i think I think the film itself as well, you know, is probably one of the most more, more memorable ones as well because of, like you said, the very iconic scene with the him on the table with the laser, you know, it's, you know, do you expect me to talk? No, I expect you to die, you know, it's, it's such a, you know, so many people know that scene, so many people know that line. And I think, I think that theme is one of the better known ones as well. So I think it, you know, it fits in well with that whole thing of, you know, early Bond, um, you know the the benchmarks for a lot of the films, and you know not just the the theme, but the style of the film, the villain, all that, all those set pieces. I think that is you know kind of where they found their feet and the kind of blueprint for the rest of the films for uh, you know the the the, the over fifty, sixty years and whatnot. So yeah, I think that's um, definitely. Yeah, yeah, it's
0: definitely I one. I mean, you've got the the, the Aston DB five, just that stands out as well as its own as the car, the Bond car, the first Bond car, I'd say. And then you've got a job as the kind of henchman it has all the formula i think by the time you get to the third one in goldfinger third bond film the formula is down and you know they they, it's a base base guideline for all future bond films and i think also with that as well it's the theme tune that it's like right this is perhaps the one we start as a as our basis and then we work on that for future bond films Um,
1: and and creates that um yeah and i you know you said it so you know that it it was a blueprint for a lot of them and it you know a lot of the themes after that are you know use a lot of the elements of this of, of you know goldfinger in their themes and you know harping back and calling back to that that theme as well so yeah it's well oh, for it
0: it's just epic well, that was um, that's absolutely flown by. So um, yeah, thank you for your time, Max, on that. It's good discussion. I think we, I don't think actually we had probably only one match in view to a kill. I think everything else was was different. I think.
1: I thought my things were going to be a little bit less or a bit more controversial. So I'm happy with that. Well, I'm pretty
0: sure you mentioned that you was you was debating to put "world is not enough" in here, which I would yeah. have probably just hung up this this chat because that is just. The pits.
1: So I did. So I. So I have honourable mentions, and I did a worst one as well. um So honourable mentions. There's three that I kind of, you know, I I think I still worthy, but I wouldn't say my top one. So one would. One is "Live and Let Die" by Paul McCartney.
0: Yeah.
1: One of "Writing on the Wall" by Sam Smith, Mm. which I thought was pretty good for a Bond theme. It wasn't. It. It's more in that category that I said earlier about you know. It doesn't feel like a Bond theme, but it works still. Mm. And yeah, unfortunately, you know, honorable mention. I do love "The World Is Not Enough" by God. It's, <laughs> so sh- it's just so
0: shit. It's just shit. So, it's just so she I, just sounds so miserable while she's singing. So, yeah, and the, I, world... oh, but
1: the worst one. I know you said the all-time high is, is your worst, but I've got <laughs> I've got a day while I'm a Madonna.
0: So. Yeah, I, I mean, it is it is crap. But I think because the whole film is crap, it's kind of like, so crap it's good. It falls it's in l- that category. And it's like l- a dumb song you can sing along to.
1: It's just, you know, it's a crappy techno <laughs> crap. It's just, it's just a horrible techno piece of rubbish.
0: And it has a but lot she, of female grunting.
1: Yeah, and there's a bit when she's like, Sigmund Freud, Sigmund Freud, Sigmund Freud.
0: It's like, what you, what, what? you don't know
1: like, who he is. <laughs> I know, it's, um, yeah, I think it's bad film, bad theme, bad everything. Just kill it and restart and give it to Dan- Daniel Craig.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think that's a good shot. <laughs> I think uh, honourable mentions for me. I do like the theme to um, On Her Majesty's uh, Secret Service. There isn't any singing to it. Uh, yes. I think it's just the main theme. So you've got the Louis Armstrong one which is isn't the main theme it's kind of the it's kind of the love theme throughout the film. Yeah. Um which is actually that's another honorable mention because that is great. Um but the main theme for that film is still great. And I'm still gutted that George Lazenby didn't do another one. I think he had a hard act to follow with Sean Connery kind of just leaving and whoever it was going to be next was just going to get Everyone's just like, well, he's not the original. He's not Sean. And it was then,
1: always going always gonna to be second
0: album syndrome. Well, exactly. And I just think he just... It was such a shame because that film was great and it was a great new spin. And then they just got Sean Connery back to do one more and then he just sorted off again. But, um yeah, I think those are great. I do like... Tomorrow Never Dies is okay. Yes. Um, by Crow. Cheryl Crow, yeah. Um... Uh, I'm trying. Oh, Living Daylights is good, but again, it's one of those sort of similar to the View to a Kill where it's like it's a great 80s pop song. Um, it's oh, a guilty pleasure song on I'm its own, sorry. it's fine, but yeah. I, I
1: mean, I, I don't know much about aha, but you know, they kind of peek the call on me. Oh, no, not call on me. Um, take on me. Take on me,
0: yeah. But um, yeah, generally, generally speaking, I'd say. Oh, majority of the themes, Bond themes are are great. Um, oh yeah. There's a few of some stinkers in there which we've discussed already, but generally speaking they're they're not too bad. I'm I'm looking forward to the next film. I'm hoping it's still gonna be this year. If not it, it gets pushed back any further, but I'm just interested to see here that the theme sold with the rele- you know, with the the title sequence at the same time. I think it'll f I, it already sounds perfect for a Bond theme. I just think sometimes when you see the title sequence as well and then it really sort of hits home, right? Yeah. That this is, or isn't a Bond theme that makes sense. So I'm just interested to in see when that comes out.
1: And, you know, it, you know, with everything that's happened this year, I think it will be a nice, nice thing to be able to actually watch the Bond because it was, you know, it was, it was one of the first victims of the lockdown, maybe, well, you know, in the sense of something that was supposed to come out, you know, just before the lockdown happened. Oh, sorry, just after lockdown happened, shall I say, and it was, you know, is that first thing of like, ah, no, that's going to be postponed and we may not see it for a long time. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be, you know, very, very long-awaited and very anticipated at this point to, um, to finally see it.
0: Right, well, thank you very much for your time, Max. It was a good chat, um, good thank comparison, and we'll definitely get you on to do another one at some point. We'll definitely do the Christopher Nolan one. Absolutely, uh, and we can discuss top fives. So I feel like that could be a good talking piece as well.
1: I think, uh, I think, I think Nolan would. Uh, I, I, I sort of Nolan would would create quite a bit of debate.
0: Yeah, but, uh, it'd be a lot, a big chin scratching episode, <laughs> I imagine.
1: I look forward to it. Yeah.